Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 16th of July. On this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1216 and we travel to Rome. Well, one of the most consequential popes of the medieval era, Pope Innocent III, died. As the head of the church and ruler of the papal states, he exerted a wide influence over the Christian states of Europe claiming supremacy over all of Europe's kings. And from a modern perspective, was strongly authoritarian. So it may be a surprise that he is seen by the French Dominican, Yves Congar, as a significant reforming pope, mainly due to his refinement of Western canon law and the Fourth Lateran Council. He has never been declared a saint and he also greatly extended the scope of the Crusades, directing Crusades against Muslim Iberia and the Holy Land, as well as the Albigensian Crusade against the Cathars in southern France. Finally, he convoked the disastrous Fourth Crusade, which ended in the sack of Constantinople against his explicit orders which has heightened the hostility between the Latin and the Greek church. With this complex mixed legacy, it is notable that Congar, in his magisterial survey of 2,000 years of reform initiatives in the church, says that Innocent III, without personally taking new initiatives, was really the leader of a reform movement in the unique vantage point of papal centralised authority, he was aware of the many needs of the church, especially the need for good doctrinal preaching. And so he was on the lookout for new initiatives, even unexpected ones, so as to take advantage of them and even encourage them. The exercise of papal power and influence has greatly changed in the modern age, especially since the loss of the Papal States, as they were absorbed into the newly unified country of Italy. In the 1920s, Pius XI renounced the bulk of the Papal States, signing the Lateran Treaty with Mussolini in 1929, creating the State of the Vatican City and the sovereign territory of the Holy See. The modern papacy, having been stripped of significant temporal power, would rely on its spiritual status and authority in international affairs. Retaining the Swiss Guard for protection, it would eschew other forms of coercive power, for example the Papal Navy or what had become the Papal Yacht, had effectively been retired generations before. See the podcast of April the 20th. However, at the time of Innocent, in the 13th century, there was no distinction between temporal and spiritual power, and it would be churlish to judge him from a modern sensibility of that. He was certainly authoritarian, and he used the interdict and other censures to compel princes to obey his decisions, although not always in a successful manner. 
he placed the English tyrant King John and the whole of England under interdict. See the part of March the 6th. Thus stopping daily mass in 1205, a feat not repeated until the pandemic of coronavirus. However, an unintentional consequence of this would be the work of Archbishop Stephen Langton and the Magna Carta, which has often been described as an icon of liberty. And it was in certainly an important foundation of the freedom of the individual against the arbitrary authority of the despot. See the podcast of June the 14th. Tony Nye, the Harvard scholar, popularised the term soft power in his book about American power in the 1990s. In the realm of international politics, he explained that when one country gets other countries to want what it wants, it might be called co-optive or soft power in contrast with the hard or command power of ordering others to do what it wants. A further book, Soft Power, the Means to Success in World Politics, further clarified that this image of soft power is the ability to attract and co-opt rather than coerce. In other words, soft power, in contrast to hard power, involves shaping the preferences of others through appeal and attraction. And a defining feature of soft power is that it is no non-coercive. And the currency of soft power includes culture, political values and foreign policies. And in the church's case, papal visits and encyclicals. Entering the information age, Tony and I felt that credibility is the scarcest resource. Perhaps one of the unexpected parts of Pope Innocent's legacy was when he met a young man from Assisi in 1209 with his first 11 followers. Upon entry to Rome, Francis had encountered Bishop Guido of Assisi, who was with the Cardinal Confessor of Pope Innocent III who was immediately sympathetic to him and agreed to represent Francis to the Pope. The Pope eventually agreed to admit the group informally, adding that when God increased the group in grace and number, they could return for an official admittance. The group was tonsured as a sign that they recognised church authority and protected them from accusations of heresy. Though Pope Innocent initially had his doubts, following a dream in which he saw Francis holding up the Basilica of St. John Lateran, the Cathedral of Rome and thus the home church of all Christendom, he decided to endorse Francis's order. And according to Congar, this is an example of how the Holy See, under Innocent, made initiatives their own, gave them standing and position within the church with an outstanding boldness and generosity. Not wanting to cut them off, but to welcome everything worthwhile and useful in the spiritual movements. Pope Innocent also convoked the Fourth Lateran Council, considered to be the most important church council of the Middle Ages. 
And by its conclusion, it had issued 70 decrees which were intended to be about reform. Among other things, it encouraged creating schools, holding clergy to a higher standard than laity, and it forbade priests, brothers and monks to be involved with the popular practice of juridical ordeal. This was brutal, and it was an ancient judicial practice by which the guilt or innocence of the accused was determined by subjecting them to a painful, or at least an unpleasant and usually dangerous experience, such as walking over hot coals, ducking into water, being burnt at the stake. Pope Innocent effectively banned the church's involvement in this and also mandated a strict lifestyle for clergy. Much more controversially, the Fourth Lateran Council mandated that Jews and Muslims should wear a special dress to enable them to be distinguished from Christians in order that no Christians should come to marry them ignorant of who they were and that Jews should not be appointed to public offices. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can as, as we look at the Great Fire of Rome and how Nero used this fire to persecute Christians and Peter and Paul were executed in the aftermath. I hope you've enjoyed listening. For any links to the reading that I've done to research this, please visit us on www.pogp.net. If you'd like to request a topic or ask any questions, then email us on pogppod at gmail.com. And if you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Have a lovely day wherever you are, and thanks for listening.